षण्णो मित्रशं वरुण षण्णो भवत्मा इंद्र बृहस्पति षण्णो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्या वदिष्या सत्यम वदिष्या तन्मावधु तद्वक्तावधु मवतु वक्ता सहनावदो सहनो भुन सह वीर्यंकमस्तुमेषावह छंदसमृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयाणारणो भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्यांभूरी विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पीद श्रुत मे गोपाय शाषाषा अहम वृक्षरिव कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रवाजिनी स्वृतमस्विण गुंसवर्चस सुमेधाक्षिशंखोर्वेदाचन शांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांतिशांति
भेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनस गोचरम अवांग मनस गोचरम आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्धये आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्धये अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अतीतद्वैत भानद अतीतद्वैत भान गुरूनाराध्य वेदात गुरूनाराध्य वेदात सारम वक्ष्ये यथामे सारम वक्ष्ये यथामे This section discusses what we call the sadhanam, the means. In order that we know our true nature, or that is an immediate or direct knowledge of the self, which is Chaitanyam, Sakshatkara Paryantam, in order for Sakshatkara or in order for the knowledge to arise, Shravana, Manana, Nidhyasana, Samadhi, Anushthanasya, Pekshatatvat, Since it is necessary for Anushthanam, for the performance of Shravanam, listening or hearing, Mananam, reflection or deliberation, Nididhyasanam, the meditation, since the end Samadhi, then absorption. Since these means are necessary, therefore the author says we are discussing them. Shravanam was defined as Advitiya Vastuni, Tatpari Avadharanam Ashesha Vedantanam that all the Vedantas or all the Upanishads have their Tatpariya all the Upanishads have their purport or all the Upanishads are devoted to or devoted to revealing one truth alone and that is Advitiya Vastu <coughs> that Vastu the truth is Advitiya that there are no two truths truth is one one without a second there is nothing but truth when we say that truth is one And without a second, that means there is nothing but the truth. Meaning whatever appears to be untruth is false. And what there is, is truth alone. So sometimes it is called truth. Some people call it God, call it Brahman, call it what you will. That alone is, there is nothing else. Tatpariyam. This is, so in fact Upanishads reveal, if you want to call it divine, then everything is divine. If you want to call it perfect, everything is perfect, everything is divine, everything is beautiful, everything is complete. There's nothing else. There's nothing that is not divine, or not beautiful, not complete, not limitless. And if we, it appears that there is something limited, something mundane, something incomplete, something bad, whatever it is. Know that to be the projection. Know that to be the projection of the Maya, what we call the projection of the total mind. So that's just the duality, it's just the projection. It's duality that creates the ideas of superior and inferior, of right and wrong, of mine and yours, of good and bad. All these ideas are there only in the duality. 
In non-devotee, such ideas are not there. In my body, although there are so many limbs, no limb is superior, none is inferior, not is, nothing is mine, nothing is someone else's. In one, there cannot be any relationship, no comparisons, nothing at all. And thus, Upanishad says, all the Upanishads reveal that there is only one truth, one God, and that alone is. Not only one God, but then God alone is. See, there is a difference. To say there is one God is fine. To say that there is God alone, nothing but God. And with God we always associate the idea of different religions associate different ideas. But everyone associates the idea of divinity, of perfection, of purity, of love, of compassion, beauty. Everything is beautiful, everything is love. This is the truth that has to be seen immediately. And what is seeing it immediately? Seeing that as my very self. If anything is seen as other than myself, then there is always a distance between myself and what I know. The distance in terms of the organs of perception, in terms of mind, some distance is there. Seeing this truth or this beauty as my own self, that is called Sakshatkara, that is the immediate knowledge. And this is what Vedanta is. See, not only Vedanta reveals this truth, but then Vedanta also reveals the means by which one can realize this truth or one can know this truth. <coughs> so ascertain this. When there is a conviction in my mind that Advidya Brahma, Brahman, that is non-dual, that alone is, and there is nothing else, that is what Upanishads reveal. That when that becomes my conviction, then Shravanam or this hearing has done its job. So hearing has done its job when hearing, as we said, is really vichara, is really deliberation, inquiry upon the statements of the Upanishad. It is not merely listening. But then, along with the listening goes on also what we call the deliberation in the mind. And therefore, in this listening process, there is what we call the inquiry into the meaning of the statements of the Upanishads. Therefore, every Upanishadic statement is taken and unfolded. And to show how every statement directly or indirectly leads to the unfoldment of one truth and that is Ekameva Dudhiyam Brahma. <coughs> and when Tatpari Avadharanam, Avadharanam ascertainment, Tatpariya of this purport. So when there is in my mind an ascertainment of meaning or the purport, that this is what the Upanishads reveal and that is true, that is called Sharvanam. <coughs> Shadvudalingahi, this Tatpari Niranaya or ascertainment of what we call the Tatpari, the purport, is done with the help of certain, certain characteristic signs, certain characteristic marks, which should be found in any text, which should be found in any text which presents a consistent idea. Upakramova samharo abhyaso purvadapalam arsavadopatticha lingam Tatpari Niranaya. This is lingam. This linga or the chinha, the mark, the characteristic sign, tatpari nirnaya, for nirnaya or ascertainment of tatparya, this is the characteristic mark. Upakrama upasamharav, that in the introduction or beginning as well as conclusion, the same subject is dealt with. Abhyasaha, the same subject is always repeated in course of the presentation of the text. Apurvata, the text presents something apurvam, something original, something new or original which is not available elsewhere. 
Falam, that there is a result, or that there is something to be gained as a result of gaining a knowledge unfolded by the text. Arthavadaha, that there is a praise of what is presented here and the condemnation of the opposite. Upapattihi, reasoning. Also the text presents reasoning to show how the theme that is presented is logical and it logically arrived at or show the logicality of that. So these are the six lingas or six characteristic signs by which one determines the or the purport of a text. <coughs> Then, in, now in sequence, the author shows this linga, or this characteristic signs, with an illustration from the sixth chapter of Chandogya Upanishad. That's the illustration often given. And so with reference to the Chandogya Upanishad sixth chapter, the author shows how this different linga or the characteristic signs are found in, in this text. <coughs> Says now the passage 185 on page 105. <coughs> Upapadanam Upakramopasamharau Yatha Chandogye Shashtadhyaye Prakarana Pratipadhyasya Advitiya Vastunaha Ekameva Advitiyam Iti Adau Aitadat Mavidam Sarvam Iti Antecha Pratipadanam What is Upakrama Upasamhara? What is this Upakrama, the beginning, Upasamhara, the conclusion? What is that linga? Prakarana Pratipadhyasya Arthasya Tad Adhyantayoho Upapadhanam Prakarana Prakarana means a text Pratipadhyasya Arthasya Artha meaning the subject matter Pratipadhyasya Arthasya the subject matter or the meaning that is sought to be presented in a given text so that the, the theme or the meaning that a given text seeks to present, that adhyantayoho upapadanam, that same thing being mentioned in adi, adi means in the beginning, anta means and, adhyantayoho upapadanam, upapadanam, the presentation or showing in the beginning, the presenting in the beginning as well as the end, that theme or the subject matter which is sought to be unfolded by the text, unfolded by the text, that particular thing is called upakramopasamharo. In short, the theme which the text seeks to present will be presented in the beginning in, as a brief outline and will also be presented at the end to summarize in conclusion, this summary will be presented at the end 
This is the style of a text. This is the style of, as you say, any intelligent and consistent presentation. Whether it is presentation in form of a written text, or it's a presentation in the form of a talk or a discourse, any intelligent and consistent presentation, where the speaker or the author has a tatparya, has something to convey. If you don't want to convey anything, then there will be no consistency, okay. But if there is something sought to be conveyed, then that is how the mind will work. The mind works in a certain way. Mind grasps in a certain way. And therefore, these six are found to be the uh, ways in which the mind grasps what is it that someone wants to convey. And when one wants to convey, these are the six things that one takes one's resource to in order to effectively communicate the idea that one wants to convey. So first thing is, the idea that is sought to be conveyed will be found in the beginning as well as in the end. In the beginning, it is introduction. In the end, it is summary. This is how it will be found. <coughs> yes, just as, now to illustrate, Chandogye Shashthadhyaya Just as in the Shashthadhyaya, the sixth chapter of Chandogya Upanishad. This is the Chandogya Upanishad, eight chapters. Of which the most famous chapter is the sixth chapter. The first five chapters pertain primarily to upasana, meaning meditations of different kinds. Which meditations are also in keeping with the theme that is presented in the sixth chapter, but in preparation for that. Then the sixth chapter is that famous dialogue between Uddalaka and Shvetaketu. <coughs> and you know the story how Shvetaketu grew to the age of twelve. And still he was playing around and his father once called him. says, look, you must go to a teacher now and live the life of a brahmachari or a student. Because in this way if you do, you won't learn anything. And you will not be a brahmana, you will be a brahma bandhu, you will be so-called brahmana, but not a brahmana or a learned person in a real sense. And therefore, I wish that you should go and, and study with a teacher. Having been told this, Shvetakadu went to the teacher. So when he went to the teacher, he was already 12 years old. And after studying t- for 12 years, at the age of 24, he came back. Now he graduated, part of the PhD, meaning a very learned person he was. Except that there was a great pride in him about his learning. Anuchanavani, he thought that he can answer anything, he knows everything. And Mahamanaha, thinking very highly of himself. So he thought very highly of himself and thought that he knew everything. So with this kind of a pride and arrogance and stabdha, not bending, you know, remaining straight, not bending down to anybody. This not bending is a very difficult thing in India, in, in those times. Bending should be the way of life. Whenever you see anybody elder to you, you bend down. You see a temple, bend down. Everywhere bending down. And this fellow just would not bend down. And therefore, Upanishad reports that. Then look, this fellow came thinking very highly of himself, not by stiff, you know, like a stick, like a staff, and thinking very, I mean, and then thinking that he knows everything. This is how he was walking around and the father saw him. And therefore father once called him and asked him that it looks like I can see that as a result of this study, as a result of this gaining this education, you have become one who thinks very highly of yourself and thinks that you know everything. 
and that you are the one, you don't seem to bend down or don't seem to, you know, I don't have that humility. Bending means humility. I say total arrogance in you. That means there must be something that you know. See, when can a person be like this? When there is something inside. So, it looks like you must really know that thing because of which you look like this. Uttatam adesham apraksha yena ashrutam bhavati amatam matam avignyadam vignyadam iti Then the father asked him, have you come to know this or what? Looks like you have come to know this and therefore you are like this. Uttatam adesham apraksha Did you ask your teacher of that teaching? Yena ashrutam shrutam bhavati Amatam matam avignyatam vignyatam iti That by which ashrutam, that which is not heard, becomes heard. Amatam, that which is not thought of, becomes thought of. Or not reflected upon, becomes reflected. Avignyatam, that which is not known, becomes known. Did you ask for the teaching? You seem to know that. Then Sveta Ketu was flabbergasted. He says, no, I don't think that our teachers knew this. Had they known this, they would have definitely taught us this. He said this. Why did Svetakyatu say this? This is a disrespect for the teacher to say this. Why did he say? Because he realized that there was something that he did not know. And he was afraid that his father would send him back. Since he came away without knowing what really is to be known, he really felt very bad about it and he thought that his father would send him away and therefore in, in, to protect himself, sort of, instinctively said that, I don't think that our teachers really knew this. Had they known that, they would have definitely taught us. And therefore, revered sir, may please teach me. Therefore, now, he presented himself, or he, he uh, offered himself at the feet of his father, that, now saying, Bhagwan, or revered sir, may please teach me what it is. <coughs> The idea is Shveta Ketu was flabbergasted. How can it be? Yena ashrutam shrutam bhavadi. Knowing which, what is not heard becomes as well heard. The shrutam, matam, vijnadam, shravana, manana, nididhyasa. That, that course of learning is always followed. So any kind of learning always involves these three steps. Not only learning of Vedanta, but any learning in order that it becomes our learning, our knowledge, involves these three steps. First of all, you hear about it. Shrutam. Matam, then think about it and see it clearly in your own mind without any doubts and vagueness. And Vijnadam, then you see it as your own self. Meaning you assimilate that knowledge. So do you hear that the truth, Satyameva Jayate Nanatam, the truth alone wins and not falsehood. That's what you hear. You reflect upon it. What is meant by truth? What is meant by falsehood? And how, it, how in our life we find from our from, uh, you know, from observations and experiences that yes, truth alone wins and not falsehood. So when you see this fact, then mananam, that is called mananam, that become, then it becomes your knowledge. And still, it has become your knowledge in your mind, all right. But it must become you. Meaning that truth must become your own self. So then, alertly, you keep on watching in your own mind. Where there is a tendency to sacrifice truth or what is called truth in a given situation and how the truth is to be interpreted in different situations and as you can see that in the practical situation with reference to yourself then in course of time that teaching becomes assimilated and becomes your teaching and you become a truthful person spontaneously. 
then it is called knowledge. So really, that truth alone wins. Then we call knowledge only when you become a truthful person. That's all. Until then it is not knowledge. It's one thing to calculate and put things together and say, yes, that is right, that it is logical, it makes sense, it's all fine. Or to be able to see it with reference to some situations. But when it becomes spontaneously your knowledge, then alone it is called knowledge. There is a story of this. You have heard about the Pandava princes, the five brothers, and uh, the other their cousins were one hundred. And their teacher's name was Dronacharya. Drona was a teacher. And these children, all these princes were all learning from him. And the teacher used to give lessons and ask him to memorize and come back next day, you know, having memorized a lesson. So someday teacher gave them a lesson about anger and said how anger is bad. He must have illustrated with stories and things like that and asked the children to be prepared with that lesson next day. Next day he asked one by one, all of them were prepared, all of them said anger is bad, this, that, all disadvantages of anger, everything, you know, they all rattled out. Except one, Yudhishthira, the eldest brother, who was known to be a truthful man, a man of dharma or a man of virtue, He's still, even though young. And then when his turn came, then Dronacharya asked him, he says, okay, have you prepared your lesson? He says, no sir, I have not been able to prepare my lesson. Please give me some time. Dronacharya, the teacher, wondered, what is the big deal about this simple thing? All right. Again, next day he was asked, and next day he was asked, every day he would seek pardon. Please give me some more time, please give me some more time. And like this, it took fifteen days for him to even prepare one simple lesson. After fifteen days, then Yudhishthira said, Okay, sir, now I have prepared that lesson. What is it that anger is bad? And the, you know, he related the story. He says, what is the big deal? You could have said all this fifteen days ago. So that's all right. But it is now that I have been able to really uh, get rid of the anger. Now I have become a person free from anger. And now, therefore I know how and freedom from anger is great. Akrodaha, that giving up anger or freedom from anger is the right thing. How anger is is bad, now it has become my own. I know it, I see it with reference to myself, and therefore I say that the lesson has been prepared. So this is the tradition of learning. That doesn't merely remain some kind of a conceptual knowledge, or what they call intellectual knowledge, which is also called parokshagnana or indirect knowledge, but that becomes the very self. Brahma Satyam, Jagan Mithya, that Brahma is Satyam is truth and that alone is self and that alone is and everything else is Mitya. Then when this becomes a living truth for me, then it is called knowledge. That knowledge liberates. When we say Jnana Deva Dukhaivalyam, that liberation is by knowledge alone, it is that knowledge that we are talking about. When it has become a living truth for me. <coughs> so how to make this truth a living truth? Shravanam, Mananam, Nidhyasaram. That's why the author is discussing them. Now going back to a story of Chandogya, when the, te- then the father said, and then the son surrendered himself at the feet of the father and asked the father to teach him. Because son was wondering, how can it be that by knowing one thing you know everything, by hearing about one thing that you have heard everything, how can it be? He just could not understand. Then the father gave him the illustration. 
यथा एक मृत्पिंडेन सर्व मृणमयम विज्ञात सैत वाचारम्भ्रम विकारो नामधेम ऑल दिस स्टेटमेंट विल कम इन दिस टेक्स्ट इट्स यथा एक मृत्पिंडेन सर्व मृणमयम विज्ञात सैत हाउ बाय नोइंग वन क्लाउड ऑफ अर्थ और वन क्लाउड ऑफ क्ले दीथिंग दैट इज मेड ऑफ क्ले इज एज वेल नोन बाय नोइंग द कॉज द इफेक्ट इज एज वेल नोन इन दिस मैन एंड सेवरल इलस्ट्रेशन वर गिवन बाय द फादर टू शो हिम दैट यस देर कैन बी अ नॉलेज there can be a thing knowing which everything is as well known and then the father proceeds to unfold this truth which is one without a second <coughs> so this is how the introduction that is how the teaching took place and how did the father start unfolding yatha chandogya shasthadhyaye prakrana pratipadyasya advidiya vastunah what the sixth chapter of chandogya upanishad seeks to convey or unfolds or teaches is advitiya vastu the truth which is advitiyam one without a second and how the upakrama the very introduction is that sadeva somya idam agrasir ekameva advitiyam first the father gave the illustration of the material cause and effect as to how the effect is not separate from the cause or cause alone is an effect actually in a different form and therefore how by knowing the material cause the effect is as well known and the truth or brahman that we are talking about is the material cause of the creation but our experience is that the material cause and the efficient cause are always different the creator and creation are always two different entities and therefore even after knowing the material cause like clay you still not do not know everything because the pot maker who is efficient cause is always different from the pot so by knowing the clay you may know all the parts all right but still part a part is inert clay also is inert the material cause is always inert and so by knowing the material cause you may know the effects okay but the causes are at least two the material cause and the efficient cause and therefore by knowing one how do you know everything by knowing clay or you do not you know all the parts all right but you do not know the part maker so your pratigna or your proposition that by knowing one that everything becomes known how is it so then the teacher wants to unfold that and with he starts with this statement sadeva somya idam agrasir ekameva dvitiyam so shvetagedu looks at the whole creation and that's what is baffling that in this creation the universe there is this diversity and multiplicity and disparity then how is it that by knowing one that you know the whole diverse creation only if the whole diversity has arisen from just one thing but that also is okay maybe there is one material cause for this creation but the creator which is efficient cause has to be different from that material cause and therefore also how do you know so then the teacher said sadeva somya idam agrasi idam idam means this whole diverse universe agre before its creation asid was sat or existence the whole universe be diverse or multifarious universe before its creation was sat existence or brahman ekam eva dvidyam ekam one what's the nature of sat or existence ekam one adviriyam non dual 
Ekameva one alone. Thereby saying that the three kinds of divisions that obtain in our experience, none of these divisions obtain and none of these are no not one of these divisions obtains. <coughs> because we know three fold divisions. Bheda or the duality is threefold. Sajatiya, Vijatiya, Swagata. So first Swaga Vijatiya Bheda. The Bheda or the division that obtains between two materials or two substances of different class. Like flower and the table. So flower is one kind of a substance and table is another kind of a substance. And see the duality or division that obtains between these two different kinds of substances is called Vijatiya. Jati means a class or a species. So when two objects belong to different species or different classes, then with that difference that obtains between them is called Vijatiya Bheda. <coughs> then of course there is Sajatiya Bheda. In one class, namely flower also, there can be so many flowers. One flower is different from another flower. So even though both these objects belong to the same class, namely flower, and still there is a difference or duality between them, and that division is called Sajatiya Bheda. Bheda or the division in the same jati, in the same class. Then of course, in one flower also, there are so many petals. But one petal is different from another petal. Because flower is a composite entity made up of so many components, each component is different from another component, and therefore, within the flower itself, the duality that obtains between one petal and the other petal would be called Swagata Bheda, or the Bheda of the duality obtaining within oneself. Thus, the duality obtaining between different class, duality obtaining between the same class, and duality obtaining between same, within the same object. These are the three kinds of dualities or divisions that are obtained in the world. By these words, ekameva dvidyam, one alone, without a second, what is sought to be conveyed is that Sat or existence or Brahman is devoid of all these dualities. That is, you may say there is Brahman, truth, and there is creation, untruth, that presents two kinds of dual realities, in which case there is Vijati Abheda or the division of different class that Brahman is one, it is conscious and the creation of the matter is, is inert. So between conscious and inert, are these two different realities? He says, no, that Vijati Abheda or the division of the two, there is no second class. Brahman alone is. There is only conscious thing. There is consciousness alone. There is nothing inert. Meaning the whole inert creation was Nothing but consciousness before its creation. It all sprung from there. <coughs> all right. So there is no Vijatiya Bheda. Is there a Sajatiya Bheda? There is one Brahma, another Brahma, third Brahma, one self, another self, third self, multiplicity of, multiplicity of self. Is it so? No. Ekameva Dvitiyam. No Sajatiya Bheda. There is one, one Sat, one existence. Which is self-evolvent, one awareness. There is no second awareness. There is awareness alone and nothing other than awareness. There is one awareness and no other awareness. And third, okay. But within awareness, other parts. It says, no, ekameva dvitiyam. It is partless awareness. Awareness or Brahman or existence is not a composite entity. It is partless, one, homogeneous. <coughs> So partless, one, homogeneous, one without a second, 
This is how uh, the meaning of ekameva dvitiyam is. So the teacher said that what appears to be this diverse creation, having all these different kinds of divisions, divisions within different classes and divisions in the same class and division within one member of the class, none of these dualities obtain before the creation. If it did not obtain before the creation, and if it obtains now, what does it mean? It means that it is a projection. If it didn't obtain then, and it obtains now, if you say that the truth, or this whole universe was the truth, sat one without a second, what is it now then? Now also it is the same, except that now it appears as possessed of these names and forms because of the superimposition of names and forms. And this is how then the teacher shows how the creation took place. How then? There is a story described there. The Sat or existence of Brahman as though deliberated said, May I become many. And that's how the element fire was born. And the element fire, which is also called Devata or effulgent entity, so that deliberated, May I become many, the element water was born. And that again deliberated, may I become many, element earth was born. And thus we had these three elements, fire, water and earth. And then Brahman thought that may I enter these three elements to give them the sense or essence or the content. And therefore Brahman has entered those three elements, meaning identified with those elements. And then from the combination of the elements, we have the whole creation. This other creation was described as nothing but projection upon one Brahman, which is one without a second. <coughs> Then the teacher starts from one and shows the whole universe and shows how all these three elements are found everywhere. Says, look at the fire. In the fire, the red color that you see belongs to the element fire. And the white that you see belongs to the element water. And the black that you see belongs to the element earth. And then the teacher draws the attention to all the different manifestations and shows how everywhere these three are to be found in different proportions. And therefore, the whole creation, nothing but the three elements, and the three elements are nothing but the Sat, and therefore the whole universe is nothing but Sat. And that is how, then the conclusion is, Aitadatma vidam sarvam tat satyam saatma tattvamasi shvetaketo eshaha anima. This is anima, this subtle truth. Aitadatma idam sarvam. That Aitadatmyam idam sarvam. Idam sarvam. This whole universe is Aitadatmyam. The whole universe has the Sat or Brahma has its Atma. The whole universe has. So, starting from Brahma or Sat, the teacher showed how the whole universe came into being from Sat, meaning it is projected upon Sat. Like starting from a lump of clay, clay to show how so many pots and pans have come from there. And then to say that the whole universe of pots and pans has its, its atma, the essence, in clay. Similarly also the teacher shows how the whole universe made up of the three elements, or five elements, has itself as none other than sat or existence. That's satyam and that alone is truth. There is something that cannot be denied, something that cannot be negated, something that is changeless. So in and through the changing of names and forms, that which ever remains changeless, that Sat alone is Satyam, that alone is Truth.
So Atma, and that is Atma, the essence of the whole universe. Like the rope is the self of the snake, and so also the Sat or the truth is the self or the essence of the whole universe, the substratum of the whole universe. Then Shvedaketu may say, so it may be. Suppose the whole universe sprung from Brahman, Brahman is one without a second, and Brahman is the self of the whole universe, and that alone is truth, that's okay. What does it have to do with me? So the teacher says, Tattvamasi, that you are. That Brahman or Sat or existence is not something different from you. You are that. Tattvamasi, Shvedha Ketu. you alone, you indeed are that. And this is how the conclusion also is with what we call Advitiya Vastu. That conclusion also is in Vastu or the truth which is Advitiyam, non-dual. So, there is this pratipadanam. This is how the subject matter is presented, introduced in the beginning and then concluded also at the end. The beginning also with the, the, the sat which is advitiyam, the conclusion also is with sat which is advitiyam. Thus it shows how to reveal the truth is advitiyam or non-dual is the purport of the theme of the sixth chapter of Chandogya Upanishad. So this is one linga, one characteristic sign which is clearly evident there. <coughs> then next says the lakshanam or the characteristic of what is known as abhyasa. Abhyasa means repetition. So next passage says prakarana pratipadyasya Prakarana Pradipadhyasya Vastunaha Tanmadhye Paunapunyena Pratipadanam Abhyasaha Yatha Tatraiva Advidiya Vastuni Madhye Tatvamasi Iti Navakratvaha Pratipadanam Abhyasaha, repetition is Abhyasaha Prakarana Pratipadhyasya Vastunaha Tanmadde Paunapunyena Pratipadanam So Pratipadanam, presentation Paunapunyan again and again Punaha means again, punah punaha again and again, paunah punyena. So, presenting the same thing again and again in course of presentation of the subject matter. So, in the course of the presentation of the text, presenting that subject matter again and again, that method is called abhyasa. And it is natural, that's what we would do. As you said, what we want to convey is always close to our heart is right always in our mind and with that in with that as a central idea we unfold and therefore it is natural that that idea will be repeated in different ways either in the same words or in different words but idea is bound to be repeated when you are anxious to convey something then that idea is bound to be repeated so repetition is something which is a common practice repetition not in terms of repeating the same words but as I said repeating the same theme in different words 
and sometimes even repetition of the same words also comes later on but essentially usually it is a repetition of the same theme again and again so that the listener or the reader sees that there's always an anxiety on the part of the writer or on the part of the speaker to see that what they want to convey is what is in fact grasped by the audience and in, in anxiety that anxiety uh, makes him repeat this thing again and again so this is what we find in the Upanishad also yatha just as tatraiva advitiya vastuni madhye tattva masidi navakrutva pradipadanam for example advitiya vastuni madhye with reference to this with Brahman which is one without a second Namakrutva Pratipadanam presentation of this truth that Brahma is one without a second presentation of that idea Namakrutva nine times not once but nine times so when the teacher said Eshaha Anima then said Tattvamasi that is you that is your own self you are that then different doubts arose in mind of Shvetaketu. Shvetaketu asked this question, how can it be that all these people you say that all of them are Sat or existence and every day in the deep sleep state everybody merges into existence. So what is the true nature of existence? I have merged into Brahman and I do not know. So then teacher gives an illustration. See how for example the different honeybees. The honeybees go to different flowers and extract the honey from different flowers. Every flower has its own flavor. So little honey also has its own flavor, has its own color and characteristic. All these honeybees bring that little honey into the honeycomb where it's all gathered is all converted into one and thus then when all of them have merged into one honey in a honeycomb or when you take the honey from a honeycomb at that time these different little honeys or different sweet things that have come from different flowers do not really know that we have come from this flower or we have come from this flower meaning that they completely lose their individuality and merge into oneness and similarly also in deep sleep state one completely loses one's individuality and merges into that which is non-individual and therefore there is no awareness that I am so and so and like this different illustrations are given how come all night if they merged into one when they wake up in the morning how come they don't remember that we were like this another illustration is given please teach me please show me again the teacher says how all the rivers originate from the ocean and all of them merge into ocean but then the rivers do not know that we have come from the ocean or having merged into the ocean they do not realize then there is no distinction such as Ganga, Yamuna, Mississippi or Hudson or whatever it is and similarly also having come out from this even being oneness with Sat one doesn't know that I have come out from Sat so different questions arose in the mind of Shvetaketu and he kept on appealing to his father to unfold the truth again for another doubt, another doubt, another question and nine times thus this question was asked and nine times father unfolded or revealed the truth in different ways so the idea is that how this 
the theme which is sought to be conveyed by the text, how that gets repeated. This is a classical example of repetition nine times. And therefore, avrutthi asakrut upadeshat says Brahma Sutra that avrutthi one should listen to this again and again. One should expose oneself to this teaching again and again. Why do we say? How come listening once or twice is not enough? Asakrut upadeshat because we find that even the Upanishad also in Chandogya Upanishad to this to Shvetakadu who was Uttamadikari or the most exalted students even that he also required this unfoldment so many times that shows that that is the nature of the mind requires unfoldment of very often because the idea of the duality or the sense of limitation has become so rooted that first of all the mind does not understand what this is Having understood it cannot accept what it says. Having accepted, lots of doubts still creep up. And that is how it takes a long time for the mind really to get oriented to this. This whole orientation of non-duality is totally foreign to the mind. Because we are so oriented to the duality. So oriented towards taking this body as a self. And everything outside the body is different from the self. That orientation is so deeply rooted that it just does not really create any impact upon us. It takes a long time for the teaching to create impact. It may create impact in terms of solving some of our problems, yes, you know, but then in order for the, this non-duality to create an impact upon us, which requires our becoming free from the identification with this body and, and mind, it takes its own time and it takes a considerable time. Therefore, it is necessary that one should expose oneself to this teaching again and again and again. We discuss this in Panchadashi. This is the process of vichara or inquiry and how long should we perform vichara until the knowledge takes place. That is why we find the repetition in the text and also need for repeated exposure to the teaching. <coughs> so abhyasaha. The second characteristic sign also is found in the sixth chapter of Chandogya Upanishad. That's a perfect text which is all the six in there. <coughs> apurvata. Now, the, the teacher talks about Apurvata, originality in the passage 187. Prakarana Pratipadhyasya Prakarana Pratipadhyasya Advitiya vastunaha, Advitiya vastunaha, Pramanantara, Avishai Karanam, Apurvata, Yatha, Tatraiva, Advitiya vastunaha, Manantara, Avishai Karanam, Prakarana Pratipadhyasya Advitiya Vastunaha Pramanandra Vishayi Karanam Apurvata. Apurvata originality is not really the uh, proper translation of that. But Apurvata is the Mana Pramanandra Avishayi Karanam Apurvata. Apurvata is Pramanandra Avishayi Karanam. 
the subject matter or the theme that is presented here, namely Advidiya Vastu Brahma, which is one without a second, of Brahman, which is one without a second, Pramanandar Avishaikaranam. That this text of the Upanishad is only Pramanam, only valid means of knowledge with reference to Brahman, and that Brahman cannot be known by a means other than Upanishad. <coughs> That is called Apurvata. For example, our eyes of Apurvata. That the color can only be revealed by the eyes and by no other means. That is called the uniqueness of the eyes. Apurvata can also be said to be uniqueness or originality, if you want to say. That eyes enjoy Apurvata, a uniqueness, a distinction of the originality. That the color can be only revealed by the eyes and by no other means of knowledge. Similarly, our ears have a purvata. That sound can be revealed only by the ears. Sound can be known only by the pramanam, the valid means of knowledge, namely ears, and by no other means. So that alone is called pramanam. Pramakaranam, pramanam. Pramanam is the means for valid knowledge. And a thing can qualify to be pramanam only when that knowledge is not available by any other, that, that knowledge cannot be obtained by any other means of knowledge. If one thing can be known by more than one means of knowledge, then that is, is going to be confusion. Suppose eyes reveal color, and let us say you can know the color through our skin also, by touching something, let's say, that you are able to know the color of a thing, let us say. In which case, eyes may reveal color to be red, and your sense of touch may reveal color to be yellow, then which is right? Suppose a given thing could be known by more than one pramana, as we say, let us say that the color can be known by the eyes as well as by the sense of touch. In that case, the eyes may reveal the color to be red, the sense of touch may reveal the color to be yellow, I don't know, suppose different, then there will be a contradiction between the, the, uh, the revelations of the two pramana in which case, you can never arrive at the true nature of the thing. So that is pramanam, or the valid means of knowledge. And the characteristic of the pramanam is that, it is a unique means of knowledge. It reveals that, which cannot be revealed by any other means of knowledge. This is very important. <coughs> and so when they say, the Upanishad, Vedanto nama, Upanishad pramanam. What is known as Vedanta is in fact Upanishad. And that is pramanam, that is the valid means of knowledge for Brahma or for the Self. That shows that that knowledge cannot be obtained by any other means of knowledge. If your eyes could also see Brahman, let us say, then you don't require Upanishad. Or if you could stumble upon Atma by some other process like by doing something, by some ritual, by some mental process, some meditation, suppose you could stumble upon Atma, you could see Atma, then also Upanishad would not remain Pramanam anymore because then everybody sees something in his own mind and that may differ. Therefore, what is the Pramanam for Brahma? Upanishad is a Pramanam. <coughs> that is what he said, Pramanantara Avishai Karanam Apurvata. This is all, that is the, the uniqueness of Veda. And I would think that of all revealed scriptures, that Veda is called Apaushaya. Vedas address themselves to revealing that subject matter which Apaurushaya, 
which does not fall within the, the scope of the human intellect or the human mind. So that which a human mind can know, for that you don't require Vedas or Upanishads. That which is not, which never is within the scope of the human mind, for that alone Vedas are Pramanam. So there are two such, two topics or two matters which do not fo- fall within the scope of the human intellect. One is Dharma and other is Brahma. Dharma means the order. What is order? <clears throat> what is right? So to determine that, it is not possible for the human mind because it requires a knowledge of the universal order, the whole universe, before anybody can decide what is Dharma and what is a Dharma. So Dharma is a conduct in keeping with the obtaining harmony or obtaining order and scriptures which are supposed to be Veda, supposed to be omniscient and therefore that alone is really qualified to reveal what is dharma and what is the dharma in a given situation. So dharma is one topic <coughs> or one subject matter for which Vedas are unique and second is Brahma. Brahma also is beyond, even though Brahma is my very self. See dharma is nitya paroksha. What is punya, what is papa, all of these you can never see and you will never know also. It is what we call nitya paroksha meaning you will never be able to realize it. You know it only from the effect that you are happy that shows that you must have done something good. If you find yourself unhappy that means you must have done something perhaps not good or bad. So good always breeds, begets good and bad begets bad. In that sense dharma for us becomes a matter of inference. But then what is right and what is wrong, what is punya and what is papa, for that the only valid means of knowledge we have is the shastra of the scriptures. So dharma is nitya paroksha. Therefore, it is not within the scope of human being, human mind. And brahma is nitya aparoksham. Therefore also not within the scope of human mind. See, dharma and brahma are different kinds of subjects. Dharma, as we said, nitya paroksha, like heavens. You will never see and therefore, there is no way for us to know or verify. So for heavens, whether it is there or not, and what it looks like and what it is, we have to totally depend upon the scriptures. And that alone becomes a means of knowledge. Punya, papa, virtue, vice, all of these are not perceptible, they are not tangible things also, and therefore, for determination of them, we have to depend upon scriptures. So dharma being nitya paroksha, ever paroksha, ever remote, Therefore, it is the subject matter of the scriptures. And Brahma is Nitya Paroksha. It is ever the self. And therefore also it cannot become the object of knowledge of sense organs of the mind. Because only non-self can be known by the sense objects in the mind. The self can never be known because it cannot be objectified. And therefore self or Brahman also becomes the subject matter of Upanishad. Therefore, Vedas are Pramanam for two, Dharma and Brahma. The Karmakanda section is Pramanam for Dharma and Upanishad is Pramanam for Brahma. <coughs> so it is said, Prakarana Pratipadhyasya Vastunaha. Of the subject matter that is expounded in the text, which is Advitiya Vastunaha, the Advitiya Vastu, Brahman, which is non-dual, which is subject matter expounded by the text, Pramanandra Avishayikaranam, that it cannot be objectified by any other means, that is the purvata, that is the uniqueness of the text, that's the uniqueness of Upanishad. 
otherwise the Upanishad says which we can see or we can ourselves experience then there is no uniqueness there there is no originality there it will be Arthavada Vedas do talk of lot of things of the world also but there we call it Anuvada Anuvada means reiteration or sometimes Arthavada it is uh, the, the purpose of that is to enjoin something but then as far as the original theme of Vedas is concerned the subject means Aparusha or that which is beyond the scope of the human mind and human senses. Yatha, as for instance, Tatraeva Advitiya Vastunaha Manantara Avishayi Karanam. Tatraeva, the sixth chapter itself, Advitiya Vastunaha, this Advitiya Vastu, this that which is non dual Brahman, Manantara Avishayi Karanam, that Brahman is not knowable by any other Pramana or any other means. There is an interesting illustration given in Chandogya in course of these nine repetitions to emphasize the aspect of Shraddha. Once the teacher Uddhalaga calls the disciple and son Shvetagedu and says, okay, bring one jar of water, one container of water. Okay, sir, it is brought. Get some salt. Okay, it is here. Add this salt into the water. Okay, it has been added. Leave it overnight. It was left. Next one again, that water, the container of the water was asked for. Says now, did you add the salt last night? Yes, I added it in front of you. So one lump of salt was added. Where is that salt? I don't see it anywhere. So you don't see the salt now in water. He says, okay, sip a little water from the top. So he took a little spoon and sipped the water from the top. How does it taste? It is, it is saline, it is salty. Sip some water from the bottom. He sipped it. How does it taste? Again salty. Sip some water from the middle. How does it taste? It tastes salty. What does it mean? That means that the salt is there. But now, that salt is no more the object of perception by eyes. Last night, before the salt was added in water, when it was in a lump form, at that time the eyes could see the salt. But now, the salt pervades the water completely and still you cannot see it. So now, for knowing that salt, you require another appropriate means of knowledge. To know the salt which pervades the water completely, what is the means of knowledge? The faculty of taste is a means of knowledge and no more the faculty of seeing. And similarly also Brahman that pervades everywhere. Our eyes and the mind and the sense organs are not the object of knowledge. I mean object, uh, means of knowledge. Therefore, then the teacher says, Tasmat Somya Shraddhasva. Hey Somya, have Shraddha. Have Shraddha, just because you do not see does not mean that it is not there. Just because you do not see the salt in water does not mean it is not there. And just because you do not see Brahman with your eyes does not mean it is not there because there are other means of knowledge and you must exercise an appropriate means of knowledge for knowing a the, 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 knowing the object of knowledge. <coughs> and this is how the Pramanantar Avishayata Chandogya Upanishad points out how Brahman cannot be known by available means of knowledge it can only be known through the scriptures. Then can I study the scriptures myself? No. Acharyavan Purusho Veda. 
says one who is the acharya or the teacher. So one who has a teacher, that one alone comes to know. Because this has to be unfolded. Then this has to be revealed or unfolded. And only if it is unfolded in a certain way, then the student sees it. And for the student to be able to see the truth, it is necessary that it should be unfolded by an acharya, by a competent teacher. So this is what we call the uh, apurvata, pramanantara avishayata, that, the, that Brahman cannot be known by any other praman, <coughs> other than Upanishad, that is apurvata. Also there is a, a dialogue, there is a statement from Brahadaranika Upanishad, Tantva Upanishadam Purusham Prachami Ityadi Shrutihi Shrutibhi Upanishad Matra Vedyatva Pratipadhanat Brahmana Apurvatva Mityartha Brahadaranika Upanishad also says, where Tantva Tantva Upanishadam Purusham Prachami I am asking you about the Upanishad Purusham. I am asking about the purusha or the person or the self, which is Aupanishada, Upanishad Ekagamya. I am asking you about the self that can be known, that can be known only through Upanishad and none else. So that also shows that the self can be known through Upanishad alone. That is one way of understanding Apurvata. That is, self or Brahman cannot be known by a means of knowledge other than Upanishad or Another explanation, another explanation of the word Apurvata is Brahmana Asava Brahmana Svaprakashatvena Svavyavahari Svatirikta Pramana Anapekshatvad Brahmana Apurvatva Mityartha Either you can say that the text, the Upanishad enjoys Apurvatvam or uniqueness in as much as the knowledge that it reveals is not obtainable by any other means of knowledge. Or we can say that Brahman, which is Advitiya Vastu, or the non-dual truth, that Brahman is a Purvam. Brahma also enjoys uniqueness in as much as Brahman is self-effulgent. Brahman being self-effulgent, there is no need for any other means of knowledge to reveal Brahman. Therefore, what the words of Upanishads do is merely remove the ignorance in the form of notion. That's all they do. Words of the Upanishads also do not really reveal Brahman, but then they create the situation by which Brahman, which is self-effulgent, is known by removing what we call ignorance, which ignorance manifests itself as various notions. So Brahman is also a Purvam or also unique in as much as it is self-effulgent and therefore it doesn't require a means of knowledge other than itself to reveal itself. So that is another way of looking at Apurvata. Okay. <coughs> Om Puranamadaf Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyate Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha 